Well, let me welcome you here to Emmanuel Church, the Greenwood campus, the Banta campus. Some of you might be watching online on the podcast or on the app. We are in the fifth week of a series called Start, and today we are wrapping it up. We have talked about start with your heart, start small, start early, start over, and today we are finishing the series talking about exactly that, how to start and finish. Maybe you've been all sorts of motivated, you've been very excited, you've, you've thought about, or maybe you actually have started, but today we want to make sure that we don't leave you hanging. We want to make sure that we talk about how to finish. It reminds me of running the mini marathon with our daughter when she was in sixth grade back in 2012. Now some of you have ran um, a half marathon before. It's 13.1 miles. Up to that point, I think I had done five so I had, you know, was at least familiar enough to train her. I'm not super fast, but I had ran it in under two hours, which means you've got to run sub nine minute miles. Some of you are much faster than that. Some of you are slower. It's okay. But that's what I had done. So I was like, okay, I think I can get her ready. And she had done uh, sixth grade cross country. So she kind of had done some long distance. She liked it. So we started our winter training inside and we'd done you know some things kind of built up a little bit of a base and then when the weather broke um, we, we started outside in our neighborhood and we did some you know three four five milers around the neighborhood and that was a little tough I mean she she kind of didn't know maybe what she was in for you know we had to wear some warm clothes and we weren't just going to do it whenever we felt like it we had to do it like three or four times a week and I would you know drag her out there all right Alexis we got to go and she'd be like I need a walk break all right we can walk but let's wait till we get to the stop sign or let's get around the corner I need to walk now let's give me a walk and she'd get kind of loud kind of yelling I'd be like Alexis shh that's where the police officer lives we don't want him to think, you know, I'm being too mean to you. And I was kind of caught because I didn't know, you know, should I just leave her and go home? We're in our neighborhood. She knows how to get home. But I'm thinking, no, what if she just walks the rest of the way? She won't get trained. You know, should I stick with her? Should I try to encourage her? So we kind of tried to figure that out. And, and sure enough, we made it to the point where she could run about five miles. But as you know, if you've done it or maybe just thinking about it, common sense would tell you being able to run five miles isn't going to get 13.1 miles done. So as the weather got a little warmer, we had to get out and start doing some longer runs, eight to 10 miles long. Well, I had a little route worked out um, that I'd used before for training. We parked up at the Walmart at County Line in Emerson, and we would go down Emerson and turn right on Main and go into Old Greenwood and cross over 31, down by the cemetery, the baseball diamond. Some of you honked at us there when we were there. Thank you. That kind of helps or not. But, and then, you know, we turn into Georgetown, and then that's about the five-mile mark, and you turn around and you go back. And we would do that on Saturday mornings or on Sunday afternoons, however it would work out with the weather, whatever. So she could do five miles now. So we would get to about the four, close to the five-mile mark, and, and some of the whining would start up again. I mean, she's only 12. I, I can't blame her. And it would be, you know, I need a walk break. And so, you know, we would take a walk break. That's fine. But I'd be like, Alexis, eat your gel pack, drink some water. I don't like the gel pack. I don't either. Can we get you another flavor? And, you know, so she would kind of yell at me. I would kind of yell at her. Then we would laugh, and we would just goof off. And it would end up being fine. And sure enough, we would make it home. We'd tell Angela, you know, Alexis, she did 10 miles or eight miles, wherever it was, and we went like that for a few months, and wouldn't you know it, we made it to the start line of the mini marathon, and she was ready to go. I mean, training was interesting, it was a little dramatic, those of you that work with me, you heard some of the stories, but to her credit, she did it, and there we were at the start line. Well, 
We were running with a friend of ours, and about the three-mile mark, he turned and looked at me and said, man, you don't look too good. Are you doing okay? And I'm like, I, I'm really not doing that okay. I mean, steam was coming off me. It was kind of hot at the one in 2012, and I'm just thinking, this isn't going great. We made it to the track, so at about six miles, I stopped to use the restroom. I said, I'll catch up with you guys, and I saw him up there in, in the distance, so I sprinted and took off to catch up with him rookie mistake i knew better than that and now i was just in worse shape so eventually i just said listen you guys take off i'll, I'll meet you at the finish line and you know from eight mile mark to the 13 mile mark i think i walked more than i ran i would see an emergency vehicle and i would think could they take me to the finish line <laughs> you're running by some people's houses and i would think could i just crawl up on their porch and just stay there i I don't care if I ever get up. The only thing that kept me going is I knew that Alexis, my sixth grader, didn't have her phone, I didn't have my phone, and we had a spot to meet at the finish line, the pavilion after the finish line. That's where we were meeting. Now, I didn't care. As bad as I felt, I didn't care if I ever made it home. I really didn't care. But I really felt like I needed to get Alexis home to her mom. So I thought, all right, got to finish this thing. I've got to find my 12-year-old daughter and get her home. So somehow, through, through walking or, or some sort of crawling or some sort of, I don't know what happened, I made it to the finish line, and Alexis is like, oh, I had a great time. What happened to you? And I'm thinking, this, this worked out because she finished. Have you ever felt like that? Maybe not, maybe not running, but have you ever been in a situation where you think, I don't know how I'm going to finish. Maybe you've struggled through something and you thought, I made it, but that was awful. Because that's how I felt. You know what? I've never run a mini marathon since then. I've skipped them every, I just, I don't, I don't want to do it again. How do we become finishers? And how do we have joy and pleasure along the way and not just barely struggle through how do you start the new year off and come to a series like this and, and, and get motivated and actually make progress along the way and finish what you set out to do? You know, I figure there's at least three groups of people in the crowd today. Group one is you have no trouble starting things. In fact, you're starting things all the time. You're starting diets, you're starting weight loss programs. The trainers at the gym, they're so excited to see you coming because they're thinking, man, this person's gonna pay the fee, show up a couple times, I'll never see him again and I get paid the whole fee because you don't finish whatever it is you start. You start business opportunities. You hear about ground floor opportunities and you buy the starter kit, you buy the premium pack, you've got garages and basements and trunks and storage units full of all the things that you bought because you're getting in on the ground floor and this is going to be it. You've invited people over to your home for parties, you've put it on Facebook, hey join me in this business venture that I'm doing. You start, you're not afraid to start, you just don't finish not making fun of you. In fact, I'm excited that you're so encouraged and you have this optimism even though there's been so many other things that you've started that you've not finished. You'll start something else because you love to start. You just don't finish. That's group one. Group two, you don't start, you don't start anything at all. Maybe it's because you see these other people and you think, I don't want to be one of them. Don't worry, you won't be because you don't change. You don't start. You sit in the exact same chair. You go to the same restaurants. You watch the same TV shows. I don't even know how you've come back for this series because every week has been about start. Maybe you're coming back because you're thinking, I hope that series is over. You don't want anything to do with starting. There's changes you need to make, but you don't want to do them, and that's not great because you need to make some changes. You need to start some things. Maybe it's fear of failure. 
And you're just like, I, I, don't, I don't want to start. And then there's this group. It's, it's a small group. But you're the type of people that you hear of something or you get convicted of something or you notice something that you should change. And you do a little bit of research on it and you think, you know what, that'd be a great thing to do. So you start. And along the way, you make steady progress. And then right on time, in fact, sometimes even early, you finish just like you're supposed to. You think it's a great idea to have a garden in your backyard because there's just all these reasons why and your family should eat this fresh food that you grow yourselves. And sure enough, by now, your entire family, in fact, your entire court is eating off of the nice garden vegetables that you grow. And it's just this great thing. The rest of us have tried gardens and and it doesn't work out and the weeds overtake it and the stuff isn't edible. But you, I mean, you had the idea for a garden and you start and you've made progress and you finish. It's an incredible. You heard about Dave Ramsey and you thought, man, I should get out of debt. And you work the baby steps. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. And sure enough, cash is piling up all around you because you start and you make progress and you finish. You're a finisher. We remember you from science fair projects in elementary school. You were the first one to finish, and you went on to the national competition, and you won all these awards. We remember you. You're a, fr- you're a finisher. We don't like you very much. No, 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 we do. We're just jealous of you because we're over here in group one, and we start things. We have good intention, but we can't finish them. Or we're in group two, and we're going, I should probably start that, but we don't start anything. The question is, how do we get people in group one to become finishers and how do we get people in group two to become finishers because isn't that what we want wouldn't we love it in our spiritual life or in our marriage or in our parenting or in our physical fitness or in our financing or in our finances or in our career to see something that needs done to make steady progress and then finish how do we become finishers there's a tv show that you have to submit an application to be on. And what you have to do to be on there to submit your application is to share your personal struggles and what's going on and why you haven't achieved the goal that you wanted to. And then you kind of have to share what are some reasons, why would you like to make these changes. And if you make it on the show, what they'll do is they'll work with you for the course of one year. And they'll set three-month goals, six-month goals, nine-month goals, and a 12-month goal. And they'll track your progress and they bring in a team of people to help you. And then... Your story makes it, and it's on ABC, and it's a two-hour show, and they tell your progress over the course of a year. It's really a story of life change, which we love around here. The name of the show is Extreme Makeover Weight Loss Edition, and I want you to see just a five-minute clip of a guy named Jarvez, because a radical transformation takes place, because Jarvez learned not only how to start, but he learned how to finish. Check this clip out. One of the things we love around here are stories of life change. I mean, we tell them baptisms, we do videos, and and when you look at that story, it's a story of life change because he was headed one way and and he made a decision and he put some goals out in front of him and he got some help and his life has radically changed. And what's amazing is that what he did and and the, the way that he did it, the way that he became a finisher is very similar to the advice that we get from the Apostle Paul. There's two places in the scripture that I want us to look at today. And the first one is in Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. And you're going to see the similarities between what Jarvez did and what Paul says. And this is the way that you and I learn to finish. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there to Philippians 3. If not, the words will be up on the screen. But starting in verse 12, I want you to see what Paul says. He says, I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. We'll come back to that in a second. I have not achieved it 
But I focus on this one thing, forgetting this past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Let's look back at that verse, verse 12. Paul says, I press on to possess. Look at that word possess for a minute. William Barclay, a, a commentator that's, that's studied a lot, he, he inter, interjects a couple words in here to help us understand. He puts the word grasped in there as a substitute for possess. Paul is talking about the fact that Christ Jesus possessed him or grasped him. He laid hold on him. He gripped him. He picked him up. And when Christ Jesus did that to Paul, he then gave Paul something to possess or to grasp or to lay hold on. If you've been coming to church for a while, you may know that Paul wasn't always a Christian. In fact, in the book of Acts chapter 9, we're told the story of how Paul was actually one of those people that would chase Christians down so that he could kill them. He hated Christianity so much that he wanted to get rid of Christians. So on one of these trips in Acts chapter 9, he was on the road to Damascus, chasing down Christians, trying to kill them, and Paul had an encounter with Jesus Christ. And during this encounter with Jesus Christ, Paul saw who Jesus Christ was, the Son of God. And Paul believed that God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to the cross to pay for Paul's sin. And instead of chasing Christians to kill them, Paul that day became a Christian. And what he's saying is that that road to Damascus was a possession. That road to Damascus was a grasping Jesus Christ grasped Paul and then he gave him something to grasp or to possess himself and Paul never forgot it. See, here's what happened in 2014. 1,009 of you were walking down your own road to Damascus. Maybe you weren't killing Christians, but you were living your life apart from God. And then, because someone invited you, or somehow you showed up to one of our campuses, the Greenwood campus, the Banta campus, and you heard about a God who loved you so much that he sent his son to the cross. And Jesus Christ paid for your sins so that you don't have to. And that day, you prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. You turned from your sins, asked Jesus Christ to pay for your sins, asked for forgiveness, and you turned around. See, what happened that day is you were grasped by Jesus Christ. And when that happened, you were given something to grasp. You were given something to do. You were possessed, and you possessed something. 1,009 of you in 2014, 167 of you in 2015, and many of you, maybe it was 10 years ago, 20 years ago, when Jesus Christ grasped you just as he possessed or laid hold on or gripped or picked up Paul. And Paul never forgot it. Let's go on to what the rest of the passage, verse 13. I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. That phrase, looking forward, is the Greek word epic tenemenos. It simply means this. It's that runner that's running along, straining and looking for that tape 
that's going across the finish line. And as he's running, as he's running, as he's straining, he wants to be the one to break the tape. That's that reaching, the looking, the straining. And he's never taking his eyes off it. Why? Because he's been possessed. He's been grasped. Barclay says this about the grasping. Every man is grasped by Christ for some purpose, and therefore, every man should all of his life press on so that he may grasp that purpose for which Christ grasped him. You were grasped, you were possessed by Christ, and you were given something to do just as Paul was, and he is not taking his eyes off of it. That is what is keeping him running. As he's reaching, that's what's keeping him going because he never forgot what Jesus Christ did for him and he never forgot what Jesus Christ gave him to do. He talks about it again in 2 Timothy chapter 1. And God chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of this good news. That is why I'm suffering here in prison. Wait there just a second. Go back. Sorry. What he's saying is, if I, if I had another job, I mean, if I were still making tents, that's what Paul was, that was his livelihood, I probably wouldn't be here in prison. But since I'm preaching, since I'm speaking out, I'm here suffering for it in prison. Next verse. But I'm not ashamed of it. It's okay. For I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. Did you catch that? Paul's running. He's running along. He's running along. He's reaching. He wants to break that tape. He wants to be there. He's straining for it. And he's remembering that this life is not all there is because there is a day of return where Jesus Christ is coming back for him. See, he's got all this going in his mind. He was grasped. He was possessed. And he's been given something to do. So he's going to run and he's going to reach for it. But he knows that Jesus Christ is coming back for him, and that's what kept him going. In the good days, people are complimenting him. Paul, great sermon. So glad you came to our church over here in Berea. It was so good to see you. Thanks for that letter you wrote over here to Corinth. Paul, we sure love having you around. He's like, oh, that's awesome. Running, 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 reaching, wanting to be the one to great. Jesus is coming back for me. He's going, he's going. And on the bad days, hey, Paul, can't believe you wrote about that. Why didn't you talk more about this? We're over here in Thessalonica. We didn't like that letter so much. Hey, Paul, why haven't you been over to the, to the campus in Berea more often? Why haven't you come to see us? Why haven't you stopped by? Paul, we didn't like that sermon. In fact, Paul, let's throw some stones at you and try to kill you. Hey, Paul, let's leave you for dead. Hey, Paul, let's put you in prison like he was right then. Didn't matter. He's running. He's reaching. He's straining with one eye towards heaven because he knows that he's been possessed. He never forgot it. He's got something to do, and he's reaching, wanting to break that, knowing that Jesus is coming back. That is how Paul was going to finish. He never took his eye off of what he'd been given to do. There's your takeaway. The key to finishing is to remember why you started in the first place, and to keep it out in front of you every step of the way. The key to finishing is to remember why you started in the first place 
and to keep it out in front of you every step of the way. That's what worked for Jarvez. If you could see more of it, you would hear more from Chris, his trainer, walking him through, what's your goal? Why are you doing this? Let's stick with it. All right, what's next? That's what worked for Paul. He had all sorts of trials and tragedies in his life. He had all sorts of criticism and attacks, but he knew what he was there to do because he'd been possessed, he'd been grasped, and he was focused on the task. And that's what allowed him to finish. The key to finishing is to remember why you started in the first place and to keep it out in front of you every step of the way. So let me ask you, what are you wanting to start? What is it? I mean, we teased a little bit about those of you that are starting a bunch of things or those of you that haven't started anything. Maybe, maybe we were joking a little bit. Maybe there's, some, maybe there's some truth with you as you're sitting there. But we have changes we want to make. We have things here at the beginning of the year as we're sitting here in a church service and we're thinking, no, I, I want to work on that. Maybe some of you have said, you know what, 2015 is going to be the year that I want to start reading my Bible consistently. This is going to be the year. I've gotten the new Bible, I've gotten the study Bible, I've downloaded the app, whatever it is. Awesome. So let me ask you, why? Because the key to finishing is to remember why you started in the first place. So, so why do you, do you want to read your Bible? Because your wife wants you to? Because, because your parents, because Danny has said you should, because your small group leader has been asking every week and you're the one that kind of slips off to get another beverage when they ask about it so you don't have to answer and you don't want to be embarrassed anymore? Why? Because that's not going to keep you going for very long. What if you determined that you didn't want to face another day, that you couldn't survive the workplace, or, or being the dad or the mom that you wanted to be, or the student that you want to be, or the husband or wife, what if you realize, you know what, to handle my finances properly and the employees and the team, you know what, I can't survive without getting God's perspective on my life. I can't survive without it. It's that critical because when I read the Bible, it's like getting a slice of God's mind, and that is critical for my survival. I want to have that relationship with him. Wow, that sounds like a lot better why than someone's guilted me into it or someone's going to say, because here's the thing, Danny can't stop by your house and, and reinforce that for you every day and, and your, your husband or wife, that's not really fair to put them in the position of, of guilting you into it and, and kind of making sure that you lay it out and say, hey, I turned the page, did you see? Yay, pat me on the back. I mean, that's just not going to work that well. So you have to come up with what's the great why? What's a why that will sustain you? Okay, so now maybe we have a better why and then how are you going to keep it out in front of you? Could you set an extra alarm? Do you have somebody that could text you every morning at 6? Could you put your Bible right by the coffee pot? Could you put it somewhere where you know, you know what, I'm not going to leave the house until I read my Bible. It's just that big of a priority. It sounds like you might be getting somewhere with a better why. Maybe you've said, hey, 2015, this is the year that I'm going to start parenting like I know I should. I'm going to start having my kids help out around the house. I'm going to start keeping up with them if they don't do their chores. If they do their chores, there's going to be a reward. If they don't do their chores, you know, we're going to have a tough conversation. I'm going to start putting some restrictions in place. We're going to have start, start having some conversations about their friends and about who they're dating and all those things because I really need to step up my parenting game. 2015 is the year. Awesome. That's probably true. You probably should. I probably should. That's great. Let me ask you, why? 
because there's a lot of jobs around the house and you'd like some help? (laughs) Because you don't want your kids to embarrass you out in public? You're tired of the phone calls from the principal? Because you don't want somebody getting pregnant or hooked on drugs? So you figure you better step your game up? None of those are bad. Those are all decent reasons to, to start. What if... You push just a little harder through some conversations with your husband or your wife or your small group, and you said, you know what I really want? When my kids turn 18 and they head off to college, I want my, my son or daughter to be an incredible roommate. And I want them to, to contribute to the household or the dorm or the apartment wherever they live. And I want them to know what it means to, you know, not, not be the, the lazy person that, that leaves a mess. I want them to know, man, I can clean up and I can, I can contribute. Or when they go to their first job, I want them to, to know what it means to perform a job well done. And when the employer gives them something to do, they don't have to keep you know, looking over their shoulder because they know, oh, I hired somebody from that family and they know how to work hard. So it's going to be worth it to me when I give my child a job to, to let them do it and succeed or fail. I'm not going to come in behind them and just kind of let them off the hook. And if they do a great job, I'm going to reward them and, and make a big deal about it. And if they don't do a good job, I'm going to say, hey, there, there's a penalty for that. First thing is you've got to go back and do the job right. And then, you know, we've got some, some consequences. I mean, I'm going to have to take some privileges away or whatever because you're showing a pattern of you can't finish your work. Wow, that sounds like a better why because you've got something you're pushing towards. Why would you have tough conversations with your kids about who they're dating and what's going on there? What if you said, you know what, I'm going to talk to my kids and see where they want to be sexually when they get married, just, just have that conversation. Say, hey, do you want to walk into that marriage with, with, with purity and just a clean conscience and, and, and an incredible feeling? Or do you want to drag in a bunch of regret? Just have that conversation when they're, when they're 13 and 14 and 15. Just talk about it. And when they have this incredible response, then you say, okay, so, so let's back into that. How do we go from the age of 15 to whatever age you're going to get married? I don't know, 25 or 50 or whatever age you've approved that they can get married. Just kidding. But some of you are like, wow, that'd be great, or no. But, and say, okay, how are we going to get through the next 10 years and get you where you want to go? And now it's worth it to have what could be awkward conversation because you figured out your why. Because you've moved beyond, well, I just don't want them to embarrass me, and that's why I'm going to step up my parenting. Some of you say, you know what, I want to get out of debt. Great. Why? So you can improve your credit score? Well, that sounds like you want to get out of debt so you can go borrow more money. So if you're like, all sorts of things. I want to lose weight. The funny one is, I want to look better in a swimsuit. That's awesome. How many days a year do you swim? There's got to be a better reason to be healthy. I'm just asking, as we start things, can we push down further on a real why and then keep it out in front of you? I want you to hear from somebody in our church who started something, went through some difficulty, and came out of the other side of it. And then I want to give you some action steps. Check out this clip. Hi, I'm Chris from RecipesThatCrock.com and GoodnessGracious.com. I'm also a blogger outreach coordinator for several organizations. Um, I'm also a mom and wife. I um, started my blog back in 2009, my first blog, GoodnessGracious.com. It was um, something that 
personally, I fell head over heels in love with. Um, I just absolutely love blogging. Um, it was something where I could take lots of my hobbies like photography and journaling and cooking and put it all in one place. I just absolutely enjoyed it. But I also saw it as an opportunity um, for me to um, meet a goal of being able to come home and work from home instead of working out of the office. I was putting in lots and lots of hours out of the office um, at my full-time job. And um, when I saw that there was an opportunity that I could maybe really make a full-time income, um, working from home and doing something I loved, um, I thought that that was something that I really wanted to go after. In the fall of 2013, I launched RecipesThatCrock.com. We saw a great opportunity to um, expand the business beyond GoodnessGracious.com, and um, it grew and it grew and it grew. And we took the blogs from 300,000 uh, hits or page views to a month to um, 1.7 million in a little over a year, which totally was beyond anything we ever dreamed we would be able to do. A large number of page views is significant because that's how you actually make income online. Um, advertisers pay you per thousand. So um, the advertisers that I work with won't start working with you until you hit about 100,000. So as you can imagine, going from 300,000 a month to 1.7 million was a significant leap for us. I blog about meals made easy. I blog about what you're gonna have for dinner. I knew what I wanted to blog about. I knew why I wanted to blog. But as food trends became very, very popular, I really was starting to feel lost. I couldn't find other food bloggers that I was connecting to and connection was really important for me. Um, so I began to get really, really frustrated um, and I needed to figure out how to keep going forward. Again, I was uh, I was doing great, and then, um, like things tend to happen, Facebook started changing some rules on how they were doing things, and things became a little bit more difficult in the blogging world, and it really started to shift how um, our world works. And um, everyone was becoming extremely frustrated and there was lots and lots of negativity and I, I too was falling into that. Um, but I started noticing someone in our community who had not only a different attitude about it, but she was flourishing. And so I really started to get to know her um, because she was standing out. And um, pretty soon I asked her to be my accountability partner because I knew I needed someone like that in my business life. My accountability partner has played a huge role in helping me keep going towards my goals. Um, she was actually the first person that I told my big, hairy, audacious goal of, I think I want to reach a million page views a month at some point. Um, and she has held me accountable over the months and actually played a huge role in supporting and reminding me of that goal and helping me move forward with it. When I began my blogs for business, 
I had the goal of being able to stay at home and work from home, raise my daughter, and make a full-time income at home. This whole experience has taught me that when you set a goal, like being able to quit your job and work from home, and you really consistently go after it and keep that as your focus of why you're doing it, that you really can accomplish just about anything. It's just a matter of consistently taking steps forward and consistently remembering what your goal was to begin with. There's three action steps in your notes. We've already talked about them. The first one is this. What do you want to start? What do you want to start? Could be a wide range of things, spiritually, personally, uh, professionally, physically. Some of you have already identified it over the past few weeks. Secondly, why do you want to start it? Why are you starting? Why is this the one? This is probably the question that you need to talk about with your family, with your small group, and say, hey, is, is, do I have a strong enough why? This is the one to pray about. This is the one to say, God, I need something that I can really hang on to as deeply as Paul was able to hang on to the fact that he'd been possessed, that he'd been grasped. Why are you starting? Because you're going to have to go back to this over and over and over and over. And then number three, how are you going to keep it out in front of you? Is there a way to put a picture up? Is there a way to talk about it on a regular basis so that everyone around you is so tired of hearing about it? That's okay. Drive them nuts with it because that's how you're going to succeed. Is there a way to, to do what Chris did, to get an accountability partner that can regularly ask you, how's it going in this area of your life spiritually or professionally or physically, financially, that you've said, this is the one. This is the one I'm picking. I want to make progress in my marriage. I want to make progress in my parenting. I want to make progress in my walk with God. I want to expand my business. This is the one that I feel led to do. I know my why, but I need to keep it out in front of you. Out in front of me. Will you help me? How are you going to keep it out in front of you? Because that's the key to finishing. Remember why you started in the first place and keep it out in front of you every step of the way. There's some of you that are here today and you were invited by a friend and you said, you know what, I needed this. I needed to hear about starting here at the first of the year and man, that, that clip you showed about Jarvez and what you showed me from Chris, that made sense, but you started talking about God and the Bible and not sure who Paul is and I'm not sure what this has to do with my life. That's okay, we're glad you're here. We're thrilled that you're here and we hope you keep coming back. I want to share one thing with you that you may not know. When God sent his son, Jesus Christ, to this earth, Jesus Christ started down a path to restore you and I to God. And it's perfect that we would be talking about finishing today with you here. Because when Jesus Christ started down that path to pay for your sins, he walked all the way to the cross and he stretched out his arms and he finished what he set out to do. And by paying for your sins and my sins on the cross, he did everything that was necessary to fix that relationship that was broken between you and me and God. He paid for your sins, for my sins, so that we don't have to. 
All you have to do is believe. All you have to do is say, I recognize the fact that I'm not in a relationship with God and I believe that Jesus went to the cross and finished what was necessary to be done in my place. The 1,009 people that we talked about in 2014, the 167 that we talked about in 2015, those are people just like you who didn't have a relationship with God and at this point in the service decided to start one. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now and invite you to pray this prayer to start a relationship with God. Right now, I'm just going to ask everybody to bow their heads just to close their, close their eyes. And if you've prayed this prayer at some point, just right now, would you pray for those that are about to? And if you're here today and you're saying, Steve, I understand that. I, I might not have before, but I understand that I'm not in a relationship with God. And I believe what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me, and I'm ready. Right there in your seat, you can just pray after me as I lead you in this prayer. Dear God, I'm not in a relationship with you right now because of my sin. God, I've tried life on my own. I've tried to just make it without you. But God, I'm done with that. And I want to start a relationship with you today. I believe that you sent your son to the cross to die in my place. I'm so thankful for that. And today, I'm asking for forgiveness of my sins. I'm asking for you to come into my life and save me. I want to follow you with my life. Thank you for giving me this fresh start. Thank you for wanting to be in a relationship with me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can all look this way. If you just prayed that prayer like so many have over the past years and months, we want to put a gift in your hand, and there's a reason. We want to give you a Bible so that you can start to read what I talked about, so that you can start to read the words of God that he's put in his Bible, and you can start to spend every morning or every, every evening hearing from God. So in the back corners at both campuses, the Greenwood and the Banta campus, we have somebody there. If you'll just be bold enough when I close in prayer to go back to the table and say, hey, I just prayed that prayer. Maybe in the past few weeks you prayed to receive Christ, but you haven't yet been able to stop by and get a Bible. Will you do that today? If you brought a friend and they prayed to receive Christ, will you take them back there? It's just an incredible step, and we want to help you as you take this step, and we want to get you this Bible. So will you please do that at the close of the service? Can we stand? I'm going to have us close in prayer. We're wrapping this series up. We've put a lot of tools in your hands. We've pointed you to a lot of scriptures. We've tried to break it down the best way we could. I hope you've been motivated and challenged. I hope you've responded as God has convicted you. I hope if there's somebody in your family that has said, I want to start something, I hope you've offered support. Even if they're in group one and they're always starting something, that's all right, back them on this one. I hope if you're in the group where you go, man, I never start anything. All right, start something today. As we learn how to become finishers, let's come up with a why that's deep enough and strong enough to hold on to, and let's figure out a way to keep it out in front of us. Talk about it in your groups this week. Talk about it in your family. Let's pray. God, thank you for what you've done in this church. 
Thank you for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for the people that are coming that haven't heard, that started a relationship. Maybe even today, God, I pray you'll give them the courage to go back to the table and get a Bible. God, thank you for the example of Paul. Thank you for the story of Jarvez, for the story of Chris. God, I pray we'd be bold enough to start what we need to and give us the, the courage and the stamina to become finishers. Thank you for sending your son, God. We're so thankful that he was a finisher. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll see you next week. We're kicking off a new series. Bring a friend.